What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sip Pop writer, Evan. Hello! Evan joining us again after the legendary episode of Brink. Um, uh, Skate better. Skate better. (laughs) That was a fun time. And uh, scheduling conflicts, you know, you're supposed to be on for Godzilla vs. Kong. But that's okay, you know. It happened. Um, but we write for SifPop.com. We provide movie reviews, best ever challenges, other cool uh, movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. I'm going to make a quick plug here as well, by the way, um, for Letterboxd on SifPop, uh, or, or SifPop on Letterboxd, because anything that goes on the website goes in SifPop, uh, our, our HQ page for Letterboxd. So if you're a Letterboxd user, or if you're not, you know, Letterboxd is a free, like, IMDb, but meant to be like a social media more than just movie information um it's your, so, it's your movie diary it's your movie diary yes and you get to see other people's and you get to interact with other people uh, all the Sifpop writers that have it are listed on the Sifpop page so you can go to Sifpop on letterbox to find other writers anything that we publish on the website gets published in there except for tv seasons um, unless they are like miniseries, because those go in letterbox. Um, so we do, uh, we, we put all those in there. So quick plug, check out all that. As well as for the podcast, um, there's running lists of what the schedule looks like and what we talk about for the main topics. So you'll see there is a list that is Sip Pop Writer's Room Nostalgia Picks. And it is updated through this pick, The Three Musketeers. And it tells you which episode you can find everything. So um, that's a lot of fun. Uh, so quick plug for that. And while I'm plugging things, I'm going to go ahead and plug on Twitter. If you follow Sifpop, um, Alex has been putting together these really awesome highlight videos that are like minute clips that are like little, little fun highlights from each, um, schedule. And they're just, they're really great. They typically come out on Fridays. So, um, yeah, so check out both those things. That'd be cool. But, uh, but on the podcast, uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about a coming attraction. Uh, two of them actually, because we got the Suicide Squad. Sorry, not Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. And free guy coming out. Yeah. Uh, man, this is like a... Eh, never mind, I'll save it. <laughs> uh, this is just like a, a solid week. Um, but uh, when we're done talking about those, we'll move on. We'll talk about our nostalgia pick this week. Evan, uh, Evan, we, we couldn't decide between Mrs. Doubtfire and the Three Musketeers. And, I figured uh, this was more obscure, so maybe a little more fun to talk about. Everyone's yeah. got so many opinions on Mrs. Doubtfire. That Let's is true. go with obscure. That is true. Yeah, and I honestly think I completely forgot about this movie until you mentioned it. So, perfect. You're welcome. This is my job. <laughs> uh, and then when we're done talking about The Three Musketeers, this is the 1993 version, by the way. The Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, uh, Chris O'Donnell version, Tim Curry, all that. Um, when we're done talking about that, uh, we'll move on to the B-plot, where we're going to fantasy cast a Three Musketeers movie. Uh, we'll have a couple different like um, ways that we went about it that we'll explain as we get there. Um, since there's been like, I think eight, three Musketeers movies. There's been a lot. Yeah. Mickey Mouse. He's, he's a Musketeer too. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, and then we'll do the spinoff. We'll wrap up, we'll wrap up with a quick recommend or warn from each one of us at the very end. 
in case nothing else piqued your interest. But uh, And then we'll wrap up. But uh, first, as always, let's get a chance to refamiliarize ourselves with our writer, Evan, this week. Evan, um, man, it's been a weird year, year and a half, all that. Yes. Um, man, how, how do you feel like going back to the movies? So one, I am the kind of guy that like the first time I ever moved out of town, I got the shakes after like a month of not having the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that was a few years ago when I moved out to San Francisco. So now with, you know, going basically a year uh, without movie theaters and being able to go back in is has been nice. So uh, I'm beating my head up right now trying to figure out what the movie I went to go see because it was just being there. It was just being able to experience a movie in theaters again. And, are you talking about like the one that you got back to or the one that you most recently saw? Yeah, no, the first one that I went back to, I'm trying to think of like, what was that? Son of a gun. Because uh, I saw Tenet at a drive-in. Yeah. Would it have been um, like Black Widow? No, I went, uh, I went basically once I was fully vaccinated, uh, I was like, all right, game on, let's do this. <laughs> Uh, I'm like checking my letterbox right now. Plug again. Hey, we have a letterbox. Um, but yeah, whatever it was, it was worth it. I was happy to see it. Um, well, while you're finding that, like, it's it's such a weird feeling, right? Being back because nobody, nobody. All right, that was my first one back too. Um, I mean, technically, I I went to go see Tenet in a movie theater because there's no drive-ins. Yeah. Um, but. I was masked up and my, the theater was actually enforcing regulations and it mm-hmm. was a Monday night early event. So I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel like kind of okay doing this. Um, and I saw yeah, Wonder was, Woman, but not really my choice. <laughs> yeah. It was like a 25% like <coughs> capacity at the time, still masked up and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nobody was the first one I got to see in a theater, which was a good return. My theater just lifted all restrictions. Uh, they're still doing like extra cleaning measures, but they're no longer doing limited capacity in theaters. They're not, they've not been requiring masks, I think since May, like end of May, um, maybe start of June, um, uh, for fully vaccinated. Um, and, uh, they're, yeah, there it, it it feels weird. Like it feels like normal, but it also doesn't feel like normal. Um, and like I really hope this does good for the movie theaters because I hope you know, especially like us movie lovers that have missed that opportunity. I hope there's a lot of people that maybe didn't realize how much they missed the theater because they'd go once every month or two and right. like not realize. You know, they just go see Fast and Furious or whatever, yeah. or whatever Marvel movies coming out. It seems like there's you know one of those every month. Um, Let's- well, see, when I moved out here, so I'm in Long Beach now, mm-hmm. and I have a Cinemark that is, like, half a mile away, like, not even that far. I can walk there in, like, 10 minutes easy. So, you know, having a movie, like, having moved here in September and finally being able to go back and stuff like that, like, I've been, I've walked past that movie theater so many times, like, mm. seeing the old movie posters that, like, these are movies that were supposed to have come out, like, a year ago. Yeah, like so, Quiet Place Part Two, and yeah, man, um, man, it just feels it just feels right to be back. And you know, I I, I never did one of the twenty dollar rentals. I don't plan on it. I I hope that we do. I I love what Paramount Plus is doing and what seemingly Peacock is doing. Where like give them a month exclusive theatrical and then go ahead and put it on. Like Paramount Plus is forty five days, so you can currently watch A Quiet Place Two. You have been able to for like three weeks. And yeah. Like in like three weeks, you know, GI Joe snake eyes will be available. Like, I think that's great because you get to promote your theaters, but mm-hmm. also the people like that don't want, you know, that don't feel comfortable yet or can't afford to, or whatever, you know, can't afford 
babysitters and popcorn and all that. like they still get that like i i hope we get more progress like this although i i hope i hope we don't get the hbo max your know, same day release more often and the disney plus premiere access if you want to do premiere right. access fine give it a little bit of a of a window for theaters uh, like i guess who am i to really say anything on how they should do things but like i just don't want I don't want theaters to go away. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, so my... Okay, so I used to work at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. So I... Oh, sorry. That was that was my dog. Um, the, uh, so I used to work in a movie theater. I do want to say, if people are going to see a movie, be aware that the, the cost of the concessions, all of that stuff, is actually where the movie theater is making it money. Yes. Because the first couple of weeks, they're getting very little from the films themselves. If they're getting any at all, because I know some of the Star Wars films theaters were not making any money off of that revenue. Uh, so if you do go get that discount popcorn that they're doing right now, at least my theaters, you know, doing like 25 percent off just to try and get people into the habit mm-hmm. of buying the pop and popcorn and all that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, that's the big thing is like I hope that with these earlier or shorter windows that the theaters are still getting enough in that to survive because. That's when they start to make their money is after about a month after because yeah. th- that like balance kind of right. uh, goes towards them. Well, and I'm tr- I try to be pretty intentional. Like I can't go two and a half hours without having a drink in my hand. So like, right. you know, I always at least get a drink. And uh, um, my movie theater does. Um, I bought a like plastic bucket mm-hmm. um, at the start of 2020, um, and uh, you get popcorn refills, like a large popcorn every time you go for four dollars plus tax and the bucket itself costs like 25 bucks right so like you know popcorn is so cheap to make they're still making plenty of money off of me but like it's like nine or ten dollars for a large popcorn now oh no for sure it's it is exorbitant i just want yeah. i just like people to know like that's why it's expensive is well, because that's worth it yeah right and like i'm look and i'm that kind of person that i'm not necessarily always in a mood for snack you know, especially if it's going to be like $10 for a popcorn, you know, I can, I just spent $10 on a ticket, you know, I'm getting right. a drink, all that. Like I don't typically get it, but because I got the bucket, I get a popcorn every single time I go to the theaters. I wasn't even hungry when I went to see old and I bought popcorn. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, you know, I sneak, just sneak in the boxed candy though. That's, that's low margins. Go for the, <laughs> go for the popcorn. Yeah. I, uh, man. And so I, I so badly, like, I remember when I had movie pass, I bought so many concessions because I wasn't paying for the ticket. So like, I felt really good, like oh, I'm supporting uh, this this theater like pretty well because I went once or twice a week and sometimes more than that. And every single time I'd go, I'd buy popcorn, I'd buy a drink, I'd you know, buy some other things because if I'm not spending ten dollars on a ticket, right? You know, I'll spend ten dollars on concessions. So you know, it all balances out. And um, man, I, I just I wish there was an AMC closer, but there's I live I live literally forty five seconds away from a Marcus and about 35 minutes away from an AMC. It's just hard to justify when you take into account gas and it's just hard to justify getting that A-list. But I was really hoping like either Marcus was going to start something to compete with AMC or for some reason AMC buys out Marcus. But after this pandemic, no way. Anyway, yeah, um, you know, maybe maybe something like MoviePass will, will come out again, especially now that like everybody has AMC A-list. So like if MoviePass like- came out again... They would have significantly fewer people. See, I like that theaters are controlling it so they can decide what their margins, what they can afford and what they can't. Yeah. Because my biggest concern when MoviePass was a thing was that the theaters had no control over it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone did get into the mindset of like, you know, you did it right because you were like, hey, now I can buy snacks and stuff like that. But 
I was always afraid that people were going to go, hey, I didn't pay anything for this ticket. I'm not spending $10 on popcorn. And then people would just go in with the most like low cost mentality uh, that the theaters just wouldn't be able to survive. But uh, yeah, now that you get the subscriptions that they can decide, you know what, we can afford only $5 of popcorn. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I just I, I wish there was a little bit more cost effective. I, I said the thing the thing that would do it for me is if the AMC close to me got IMAX. That's, yeah. I would I would do the AMCAs at that point. But, uh, man, it just feels good being back at the movie. So what's your favorite movie of 2021 so far, then? Uh, so I don't know if this counts, because, again, looking at my letterbox, the uh, thing I have highest rated is Bo Burnham's Inside. Yeah, I'd count that. Uh, I think that was uh, by far the best thing that I've seen so far this year. Mm-hmm. There is obviously a large... Uh, backlog of movies to catch up on and stuff like that so i'm mm-hmm. sure someone listening will go like oh well that was good but it's not this movie sure. uh, and then i guess cinematically uh in the heights is my is also up there with me so yeah as far um, as 2021 releases I, I i'm right there with you with um i mean bo burnham's in my top five um you know substitute that for in and of itself that's my favorite of the year i talked with robert about this last year but yeah in the heights is my number two so my my favorite theatrical release, um, but I don't I don't I don't I think I need to see it again because I think uh, maybe it's just one of those like movies that like it's just really fun to watch in the moment. But like I don't know that I feel anything right now about it. So I oh, see. I walked out of the. Uh, I mean, I didn't walk out. I did watch it on HBO Max because mm-hmm. I had it. Um, so I won't give away too much of it. But there was a certain technical move that they did near the two thirds to the end kind of thing that I watched and I could tell you how they did it when I saw it, but I went, how did they do that? Because it was so smooth. So uh, both in and out of it. So uh, no, that's, that's the thing I stepped away. I I ended up like looking up like clips of other movies that tried to do that just to go, look, it's not as good as what they just did. Yeah. So I just like, I feel like it's a movie that just relies on you seeing it in the present and like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I don't necessarily think about it much anymore. But like we're also like dealing with the first six months of a of a year. <coughs> excuse me. Like coming out of a pandemic, so a lot of our huge releases, a lot of the things that people are really excited about, have gotten pushed back um, because they're oh, waiting this fall until. This fall is going to be nuts, yo. But like, and we're you know starting in August is just crazy. Um, it's been crazy too. But like, I don't know. I feel like. Um, you know, a lot of people are just waiting to have been waiting to see how's Black Widow going to do at the box office. Do we need to push it back further? Because like we really need to make money on this or whatever. And like you know, I'm just um, well, Black yeah, Widow is a whole the Marvel thing is a whole different thing because they got their schedule. It's not like they have to figure out where to put this movie. It's right. that they have this whole domino. Yeah. Uh, that's like we need to push this so we can get the other stuff going. Yeah. Well, it's like it's just I, I feel like at this point it's uh. I don't know. I feel like the first half of 2020 has been fine, but like nothing spectacular. There's been a couple of really great movies in there, but like there's been a lot of letdowns um, and there's been um, a lot of movies that are like, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you mentioned, nobody, nobody's a totally fine movie. Um, it's not great. It's not special. Um, it's not going to make my top 10 of the year, but I don't think it's even in my top 10 now, but like it's solid. Um, I feel that way a lot, a lot of movies this year. So um I, I, but I think, I mean, we get this way every year, right? That's that's why I like asking this question now is what your what's your favorite release of 2021 so far? Because like, what's your favorite movie that you saw before things are really getting amped up, you know? So before we stop talking about In the Heights, right? 
so yeah. Uh, sweet. And then I have one more question for you before you moved on. One just random question. Uh, put you on the spot here, non-movie related. Evan, how do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee. I am not a coffee guy. Never have been. Uh, I think I tried to drink it when I was like 16, just as I like, no, yeah, why not? My dad's making coffee. I'll pour a glass. And I was like, nope, not, not, not my thing. Uh, same with beer. I've never really been a beer guy. Uh, mm. Same idea. Well, oh, yeah, my dad's having a beer. Maybe I'll take a sip. Nope, don't like it. But uh, not a plug, but Kickstart is like my... PBR and that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got the uh, Kickstarts, uh, the orange one for those wondering. Nice. Uh, that is my coffee. I, I drink those. Nice. Yeah, I um, I don't I don't really like coffee much either. I don't I don't I, I don't see I don't taste a difference between Folgers and you know some really expensive brand. Um, mm-hmm. and, and part of that is too is like I can't stand coffee black uh, at all. So um, cream I can, and sugar, load it up. Yeah, I can appreciate that people. You know, there is a craft to a good coffee. You yeah, know, I, same I with watched... a beer or a whiskey or something. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched people show like artisan coffee makers that like take like four hours to make a cup because it's like dripping one drop of water every second for ever uh i get it i dig it if you guys enjoy it enjoy it i uh i will enjoy my kickstart because it takes two seconds to just go and drink yeah yeah i just uh i feel so like when i buy coffee stuff like i feel like creamer matters more than grounds to me so yeah um you just then, want uh, a slightly flavored milk although i have i did i did buy recently my wife and i got a new keurig because we had this one that was going bad and uh, that was like super cheap um, that I pretty much kept around for like whenever my parents came to visit. But then I started using it more often and then uh, um, as, as, as a way to kind of help me kick my soda habit. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, we, we, we wound up buying this like side by side. It has a pot and a, uh, the individual cup dispenser because like it's nice when my parents come up. I can make a pot because they will drink a pot right. um, and I will not. And my wife's not a coffee drinker at all. So, uh, we did, uh, so I, I found these, uh, it's from donut shop. They're, uh, they're coconut mocha and they're like delicious, especially like with a French vanilla creamer. Like it's just got a, such a good taste to it. Um, cause it doesn't really taste like coffee. So there's that. I will, I will say I enjoy a nice, uh, tea. Mm. I'm more, I'm definitely more of a tea drinker than, uh, I enjoy tea more than I like coffee, but I don't drink, I just don't drink it as often, you know? But. Coffee seems like something that people more reach to just because like I need that caffeine hit. I need, you know, a shot. Yeah, of and like I don't really feel caffeine effects. So like I don't I don't yeah. I don't know. Like maybe if I did, maybe I'd drink more coffee. Maybe I'd like it more. Maybe I'd like I guess if I have to drink this, I'll try to find something that I actually enjoy. So but right. eh, it's something to just kinda help me kick kick soda. Not kick soda completely, you know, cut back on the amount of drink. Um cool. Well I think we've gone long enough without talking about uh, the Suicide Squad and Free Guy. What do you think? Yeah, I am super excited for both of these. Uh, well, any, which one do you want to start with? Uh, so I, they're both coming out pretty soon on each other. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk Free Guy first because uh, that was supposed to come out way earlier. We were actually supposed to have the podcast. Uh, the last one I was scheduled scheduled for was uh, we were supposed to talk Free Guy, and then it got pushed back. So we ended up talking about uh, Nomadland. Um, yeah, Nomadland, which also Bear. was, you know, not actually coming out right then. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, Free Guy uh, has been supposed to be coming out for a long time. So Yeah, I think it was initially supposed to be last July or August. And then because of COVID, they pushed it back to December. 
And then they yeah. were adamant about it until like two days before release. And they're like, all right, we'll push it back. And yeah. I think they, they've been slowly pushing it back. But, you know, I think it's finally coming next week, man. Yep. Uh, or this week by the time, you know, this airs. Um, yeah, let's start with, yeah, well, so Free Guy. Free Guy is the story of a bank teller discovers he's actually an NPC inside a brutal open world video game. Uh, it stars Ryan Reynolds, Taika Waititi, um, uh, a couple other people I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and uh, is... I'm sure we'll get some weird cameos in there just because, why not? Oh, yeah. And this is an exclusive theatrical release, by the way. Um, is worth knowing. This is not like a HBO Max or a Disney Plus Premier Access because it's a Fox, I think. Fox Searchlight, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I guess it's just Searchlight now. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was was that out. Whatever. Either way, it's just coming to theaters next week. Um, so yeah, uh, on on the anticipation scale, uh, Evan, like again, you know, taking into account all things, um, how soon do you think you'd be seeing this? Do you think you'd be there opening weekend, at least in terms of anticipation, not necessarily logistically? Yeah. Um, opening weekend. Wait for a discount night. Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Or are you just not interested? You know, when I saw the first trailer, I was digging it. I like the idea. It's kind of Wreck-It Ralphie in terms of like, you know, let's just jump into a video game and all hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds is just a charming guy that you just can't help but laugh and enjoy. And anything he does, he puts himself into. I can't think of many films that where he really phones it in. Um, Well, because even in movies that he, that aren't good, he's still enjoyable in it right like exactly you know i watched waiting not long ago for some reason and like (laughs) he's still charming in that no he is uh that's a i mean it's not a great movie but it's definitely fun to watch yeah and uh he carries it and so yeah and he's kind of hit this stride ever since like gosh i don't know when did he finally hit that stride where he just looks like like he's having fun at everything like I think it's Deadpool. I think Deadpool people finally got to kind of, I mean, obviously he's wearing a mask, so you can't really see him the whole, well, for most of the time. But uh, I think that they kind of just realized, hey, we try and put you in Blade. That's weird. We try and put you in uh, Wolverine Origins. That's weird. And then, and all the reasons why it's weird is because like, what are you doing with these characters? How are you doing this movie? And then you get Ryan Reynolds in a movie like uh, Deadpool, where it's like, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. This is what fans have wanted. Yeah. And so I think he's got a little bit more clout in, he can do things because he can, I don't know. It seems like the movies he's in, fans are like, this is what we wanted it to be. He's had such an interesting career. Cause if you look at his stuff, he starts off with a lot of TV movies and then a couple like guest roles on TV shows. And then he comes out with Van Wilder as his big, yeah. you know, reveal National to Lampoon. Yeah. And like, that's a perfect role for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he does Harold and Kumar a couple of years later. And then it's like, you know, but I don't want to just be doing these because this isn't really going to get me a career. Right. So he does uh, Blade Trinity and then Amityville Horror. But he still does, you know, Waiting and Just Friends. But he does like Smoke and Aces, um, you know, X-Men Origins, A Proposal. And then he does like Buried and Green Lantern and Safe House. He like tries to be a... Like he it works, especially in Buried. Like he, tr- um, he tries to like do things a little bit more serious. And then I think they're just like, yeah, I mean, he's, he was really at his best when he was Van Wilder. So let's just do Deadpool. And now it's like, you know, Hitman's bodyguard. And, uh, I haven't seen the sequel, but like, you know, that's still the same type of character. And like, you know, he, but he still throws a life every now and then, or he still gives us like a, a short, um, you know, a short, like fun, like a serious thing every now and then. But like, for the most part, we get 
Deadpool, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Like, you know, yeah. what an interesting I, career. I will say uh, he's in a movie back in, like, I don't know, the early 2000s called Chaos Theory. And that mm-hmm. one's really fun. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. Uh, that's a Ryan Reynolds movie that kind of, sh- I liked it a lot. That's what kind of showed me a little bit more because I didn't see Van Wilder until after. Mm. Yeah, I, it, it's just such an interesting thing. But, like, he's he's gotten to the point right now. Or he could be in literally anything and I'll go see it. Mm. Um, like, trying to remember the last, like, Ryan Reynolds movie that came out that I didn't see. Um, let's see. Or at least, like, wasn't excited to see. I mean, I didn't see The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife yet. But, like, I'm interested in seeing The Croods too. Partly because he's in it. But also partly because I've heard that one's actually really good. Uh, I saw Six Underground because I heard it was pretty fun. He was in it. I saw Detective Pikachu, which he wasn't really the thing that got me there. But, like, I'm kind I mean- of... I'm kind of on board for whatever he'll do, you know? How can you not be sold on a movie about a detective Pikachu voiced by Ryan Reynolds? Exactly, right? Um, So, like, I don't know. And, like, looking at the things that he has coming out, like, I don't know anything about these projects, but I guarantee I'm going to be at almost all of them. Uh, I mean, definitely Free Guy, definitely Clue, definitely Deadpool 3. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll, I don't know. I have no idea what Red Notice of the Atom Project are, but, like, I'm 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 in for it. Um, so I so I feel like this is no different. But like this feels like a movie that this feels like a movie free guy that was Ryan Reynolds called up somebody or somebody called up Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Reynolds and somebody just got high one night and played GTA or Saints Row or something and we're like, what if there was a movie about this random guy that I just shot? Like you know, and and then they're like, oh, that would be really interesting. And then they're like, all right, well, how do we do that? Well, obviously it's silly and ridiculous, like Saints Row or whatever. So we get somebody who's silly and ridiculous to be a part of it, like, you know, Sean Levy directing and Taika Waititi, you know, playing in it. And then like, we let Ryan Reynolds ad-lib a bunch of stuff. Like this feels like this movie was centered around Ryan Reynolds and Mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't work with anybody else. Like, would you go see... Would you be as excited? I would still go see this movie. Would you be as excited to see this if this was Ryan Gosling or uh, Miles Teller or? Oh, no. But but that's also because Ryan Reynolds, obviously, he's such a good banter guy. Yes. Uh, So, I mean, you're definitely getting someone that's like a can comment about all the insanity that goes on around him. But he can do it either so excitedly or so nonchalantly. Right. You know, he could present it in both ways and both would be funny. Yes. Like, yeah. Giant totally. explosion happens. And he goes, oh, my God. Or he <laughs> could be like, wow, that could have hurt. And both would be funny. Uh, and that he's the only guy that I can think of that could do that and be believable in either fashion. Yeah. I mean, like after the nice guys, like I think Gosling could do it. I just but he, he wouldn't do it as easily as as Ryan Reynolds couldn't. I I have a feeling, look, when Ryan Reynolds does his thing and is comfortable, I'm on board for like 90 to 95% of it. There's definitely some things, especially in Deadpool 2, that I'm like, all right, I'm not a big fan of this. You know, like this is maybe a little bit too childish or a little bit too like, let's do it because we can. You know, like when Deadpool's bottom half gets blown off and he has baby, you know, um, like that's probably a little bit too, too much or that is a little bit too much for me. Um, But like. I feel like for the most part, when he's in his groove, when he's having fun, I'm having fun. And that's really all that matters. So um, this looks like they're like, hey, Ryan Reynolds, just have some fun. And uh, I think I'm going to I had a lot of fun just by watching the trailer. So I'm going to be here opening weekend for sure. 
Uh, I'll be going to see this as soon as I possibly can. Likewise. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Any other notes? I I think I think this just comes down to like it's it's a fun concept. It's a fun world. Uh, but yeah. like I said, I think Ryan Reynolds is is the piece that like makes me like this looks great as opposed to like oh I'm not sure if this is going to be really good or really terrible. Like I think this is going to be great. But we've yeah so uh, we've had movies that have taken place in movie theaters or uh, not movie theaters uh, in a video game setting before, mm-hmm. and they've been kind of hit or miss. Yeah, this one looks like I mean you take the movie Gamer from uh, whatever it was. Oh, like I'm quite familiar with Gamer. He, do you like it? Um, it's not good. Okay, that's fair. It's not not even uh, a little bit. Yeah, so you you know you get the idea of in a game. This one just looks like it's going to be really fun. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I'll be curious to see how they make some jokes about like you know in app purchases and yeah. uh you know really give some uh, scorching commentary possibly on some of those things because. Well, and here's the other here's the other thing that makes me really excited to see this movie. I feel like you know when you cast somebody like Ryan Reynolds in a movie. Um, you know, same thing, like you, you, there are just movies you can tell they just hired a cast because they specifically could improv. So like, you know, mm-hmm. um, Chris Pratt and Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure he got to improvise quite a bit on guardians of the galaxy. Um, but, uh, but like, you, like him or like whenever Seth Rogen is in a movie, you know, and he's on the writing team, like, you know, that he's just willing to just throw away things and, and oh, no, do something sure. else. Or like you look at like Anchorman and they made whole extra movies just by the alt takes for, mm-hmm. for both Anchorman movies. Like just, I have a feeling this is one of those movies where they take seven or eight takes and they put the number one in the final movie and they take the number two and they put it in the trailer. So I feel like this isn't one of those movies that is going to be all the funniest parts were in the trailer. I feel like we're going to get to that moment and it's going to be a completely alternate joke. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is way funnier. So, like, I'm excited about that. Um, so, yeah. And I think the, this might be an all-time gag reel or blooper reel or whatever whenever these come out. Like, I'm for sure going to be checking out the special features for this one when it comes out. I mean, assuming it's good and I want to buy the Blu-ray. But, God, I'm I hope it's good. it to be good. I'm, I'm hoping it's Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's, uh, let's move on then and talk about the Suicide Squad then. Uh, this is a uh, supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. This, is, of course, is uh, coming from James Gunn, um, starring Idris Elba, Har- um, Margot Robbie, uh, John Cena, Pete Davidson, and literally anybody who is just a delight. Um, <laughs> to to see Peter Capaldi, um, Taika Waititi again. Um, yeah, Sean Gunn. This, yeah, Sean Gunn, and uh, this is um, oh, and uh, Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Mm-hmm. Um, this is coming to theaters and HBO Max simultaneously. Uh, but again, in terms of the anticipation scale, we're just saying theaters. Um, how excited uh, would you be to see this movie? Uh, opening weekend matinee rent. Uh, stream or never watch. All right. So I have HBO Max. I have the ability to sit at home with whatever I want, all the food in my kitchen so I don't have to pay a dime for snacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go to the movie theater and see this thing. And then I'll probably rewatch it like five times at home uh, because this looks like a ball. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely theater for me. And 
I'm super I'm I'm super excited for it. The trailers all have such great tone. It doesn't look like they're just relying on the music to say, "Look, this movie can have tone of things. It's going to be fun." Don't yep. you like this music from your parents' CD rack? Uh, <laughs> like, granted, I, all the music was good in Suicide Squad's trailers. That was the problem was that was the only thing that they were using to set the tone. Yeah. And then the movie was a complete dumpster fire. So, The Suicide Squad, I am super excited for. Let's let's go. Yeah, uh I'm 100% there too. Um and like it's weird, you know, we were talking about movies that we have on it. You know, even though I have access to HBO Max, I have access to all these movies. Like I've still I think the only movie that I've seen on HBO Max in its first 30 days is actually I'm not sure any of them <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it cuz I saw Wonder Woman in the theater, kind of not my choice. But, um, you know, like I would have normally probably just seen it on HBO Max. I got a screener for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, um, I saw Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, Mortal Kombat's probably the only one. Um, that I, is exactly what it should be. Yeah, it's right. An HBO. Yeah. <laughs> but I went to IMAX for Godzilla vs. Kong because I'm not going to not. Um, and me and my wife saw In the Heights in the theater. So, like, uh, and you know, I didn't watch, nor am I going to watch the Tom and Jerry movie. Um and not super interested in like let him go or um you know some of those other ones that have come out the those who wish me dead i think um the taylor shear did one anyway um so like yeah i'm i'm totally with you i could watch this at home but i'm going to try to see this on the largest screen i possibly can as soon as i possibly can and like you know even even if that means like go, i might just have to see this on hbo first cuz i'll be i'll be doing uh i'll be busy um yeah. the first the first night it comes out and like this not, is gonna be a fun one to go see and have the crowd response. yeah yeah exactly uh, just pure chaos happening on screen you know it's gonna be bonkers uh well and like i feel like this is another movie just like i said with free guy that i feel like they probably did multiple takes for these because james gunn's a creative person and, he, and when you hire somebody like you know pete davidson and you hire uh you know, people like, uh, I think Idris Elba has a funny bone. It doesn't get exercised a lot, but I think he does. Yeah. Um, and you and you bring in people like Margot Robbie. Um, and who's killing, who killed it is Harley Quinn. Both, yeah, she both is Harley Quinn. For she sure. She is, no, like, what, 10, 20 years when they try and do a movie with Harley Quinn again, people are going to compare to Margot Robbie. Just as much as people go Sarah Strong is, like, you know, the animated uh, but yeah, this this yeah this Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is definitely going to be like you know when Jack Nicholson came out as the Joker and they're like everything will be compared to him from now on um, and maybe that's Heath Ledger now I don't know I think I think there's a lot of conversation about that oh, no, um, as long as it's not Jared Leto but um, no <laughs> but like uh, this uh, this is one of the funniest trailers I've ever seen and I feel like this is one where they put in all the alts like that scene where they're talking to Peter Capaldi. And, and they're like, you know, if we find out that you um, do this, you die. We find out you do this, you die. We find out you have customized license plates, you die. Yeah, right. Like, I feel like that's not going to be the actual line delivered in the movie. But that is a funny line. Or, like, there's the conversation with John Cena about what he might or might not eat um, mm-hmm. in order to save the day. Like, that's a hilarious conversation. I don't think that's going to be an alt. But, like, this looks like the perfect tone that the original Suicide Squad should have been in. Oh, uh, sure. But I also feel like this is just going to be a lot of fun, and James Gunn has promised that uh, there will be lots of death, that mm-hmm. there was literally nobody that Warner said he couldn't kill. 
Um, so even if he wanted to I, kill Harley Quinn, I'm he could. Curi- yeah, I was going to say, I'm curious of whether or not they were like, yeah, I mean, you could, but if you do, let's make that like an alternate ending of like, you know, somehow they do time travel to save her because like she's no, I at don't, the same time she's done it for a while. So maybe. Well, I don't think it's going to happen because she's an established character and she like is so beloved that, you know, it, it would it would be insane to do it because everybody wants more of her. Uh, yeah. You know, and she means a lot to some people. Like, yeah. And, she's and sure, not you... just a pinup, you know, let's just ogle her. Yeah. She carries agency. That's what makes her such a great Harley Quinn. Well, and this isn't like, you know, some, I don't think they're going to try to like, they could, but I don't think they're going to, you know, Black Widow her where you kill her in this, but you can always just come out with Birds of Prey sequels that take place before this, right. you know, uh, or regular Harley Quinn movies that, yeah, I think there's a uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy movie planned, or Harley Quinn and Joker. And, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully, no more. I'm in, I'm in for all of it that has to do with Margot Robbie. Um, so, like, it, you know, but he said anybody he can kill, and he's promised lots of people will die. So, like, I think that's that's an interesting element to all this. Uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, he's. Um, I, I think James Gunn has assembled something here that every single part of it appeals to me. Uh, you know, with minor ca- characters that nobody has ever thought okay. we would see on the screen, like Starro and Peacemaker and uh, Brainiac. Even like it's I I, I have the same thoughts about Brainiac as when uh, 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 Mysterio. It's like, how are you possibly going to be able to do this? And I think MCU did it well, and it looks like James Gunn's going to do it well. And so um, there's there's nothing unexciting about this movie um no yeah. i'm 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 ready for it uh roll the tape kind of thing yeah this has been uh this has been one of my most anticipated movies for a long time um and i think still is um and it's just it just feels like i i am ready i'm ready for my body to have it um, yes and uh and, and would you go as far as john cena <laughs> um I would go as far as John Cena in terms of in terms of what I'm willing to do to see this movie. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think uh, I'm so jealous of all the people that have got to see it early. I didn't reach out to Warner, and this is also one of those scenes I didn't reach out to Warner for a screener because I don't want a 1080p copy of this. I want 4K through HBO Max or 4K and IMAX. You know, like um, you know, I, I want I want to experience, and I want to experience it where like yo. I don't have to worry about buffering. So like in a theater, cause like, right. You know, that could completely kill a mood. So, uh, yeah, I want, I want some dude in the crowd to be psyched that like some obscure guy shows up. I want that. I want to have that experience where someone knows more than I do yeah. and they're jazzed as hell. That's, you know, it's there. So yeah, for sure. that's, that's why I'm excited for this one in the theater. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like, I'm so excited for this. I think it's gonna work. I don't see. I don't see how this doesn't work. Um, and like, I don't know. I just, um, I don't know. Uh, as long this, as this movie's good, doesn't prolong what they like. I want them to have a good movie that can be its own thing and continue on as the Suicide Squad storyline. That doesn't have to go. Hey, can we get Ben Affleck back in for like a hot second in like the third film yeah. or something like that? Let's just let this be a new palate cleanser. This is Suicide Squad some of the characters you like we're not going to bring in all the baggage of the other stuff and let's move forward and then we'll have the awesome batman movie that comes out next year mm-hmm. and maybe we'll have henry cavill show up or not show up ever again as superman uh 
because I, I can tell he wants to do it, but I think DC's or uh, Warner Brothers is like, I don't know what we're supposed to do with Superman, but uh, yeah, um, I gosh, I don't I don't have anything else I could say because I just feel like everything about it works for me so far. Yeah. Um, from from the second that they said James Gunn is doing the Suicide Squad, I said absolutely, and then he announced his massive cast, and I was like absolutely, and then. You know, they started revealing characters, and I'm like, absolutely. And then they released trailers, and I'm like, absolutely, yes, here, give it to me now. Yep. Um, you know, I'm in. I'm in. Done. Great. Well, both of these movies, uh, again, Free Guy coming out in theaters exclusively, Suicide Squad coming, The Suicide Squad coming out in theaters and HBO Max for 30 days. Um, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a good week for movie lovers. Uh, unless, unless you're one of those movie lovers that only likes the indie stuff, uh, I'm sure it's still going to be a good week for you because you know I'm pretty sure Pig is still playing. People are crazy about Pig right now. Um, so, but on that note, let's move on to the Sif topic. Let's talk about uh, a, a movie that probably wasn't you know at least trying to be a blockbuster back in the day. Uh, the Three Musketeers. This is a 1993 movie. Uh, you can catch it streaming on Disney Plus because this is a 90s live action Disney movie. Um, so let's see. Uh, let's start with the synopsis of this movie. France, 1625. Young, uh, gosh, I totally forgot D'Artagnan. how to pronounce D'Artagnan heads to Paris to join the Musketeers, the, uh, but the evil cardinal has disbanded them, save three. He meets the three, uh, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, and joins them on their quest to save the king country. Uh, Evan, what is what is your history with this movie? Actually, I'm going to start off with here because when I say when I when I want you to do this, like, then why did you then why did you pick it? Um, yeah, go for it. Because I'm I'll be very brief. I remember um, this was the Three Musketeers I grew up with, and um, I remember seeing this movie quite a bit as a kid because I remember my older brother really liked it and uh, would watch it probably more than I did. I think we even went as the Three Musketeers one Halloween. Nice. Um, but I haven't seen this movie or even thought about it in probably, probably like at least 18 years. I'm like 26. So like, it's all been like when I was like eight or younger. So, um, yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's it. I don't think I've thought about this movie in forever. So, uh, so what's your history with the movie and why did you decide to, to pick it this week? Yeah. I mean, same idea. Um, it's, I haven't seen it in probably 20 plus years. I'm 32 now. So. Uh, I just remember having it on either DVD or VHS, uh, or not even having it myself, but like just borrowing it from like my aunt or uncle or whoever. And I don't know. I've just always liked that period of the swashbuckling, sword fighting, you know, heroes, knights, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, like I said, we were talking about doing either this or Mrs. Doubtfire. And I figured this was the more obscure film to do. But it also has a huge cast. Like, uh, you know, it's got Kiefer Sutherland. It's got Oliver Platt, Charlie Sheen, Tim Curry, uh, all being like the the leads. Chris O'Donnell at his like general, I would say, peak, uh, you know, because it's basically downhill once he gets into the Batman movies. Um, So, yeah, it's it's one that I remembered fondly for the banter. I just liked the characters. Uh, I like all three Musketeers. I think they all have great chemistry together. Um, and then Tim Curry is just obviously, you know, a treasure. Uh, so him being the Cardinal is like the most uh, chill, like creepy smile guy. Uh, and yeah, I just really like it. Um, so I figured, well, let's let's pull this out of 
you know, the the dusty shelf and talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm happy you did. Uh, because this was a this was definitely a trip down nostalgia lane for me. Um, so let's 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 get into it then. Evan, after seeing this movie as a as a 32 year old in 2021, how did you feel about it? Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? I think it's just okay. You know, I like it. I think uh, I think it does well. One nice thing with period pieces is that if you're doing something older, you kind of don't have to be super flashy because they weren't super flashy back then. It's it's almost a detriment when you try and get over stylistic. You know, you get that uh, Robin Hood from uh, just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just not good. Um, and you get this one here and you just get some fun fo- sword fights. It's early 90s, so it's not like full tilt CGI uh, escapades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this would actually go pretty well with like, you know, if you swashbuckling, it's it's before Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Which kind right. of sets the right. new standard. So, uh, yeah, I really like this movie uh, for what it is. It's it's not a great movie. I do think it's one of the better Three Musketeer films, though. Okay. Uh, especially just, again, with the ensemble. I, I don't think I've seen any other Three Musketeers film. Uh, I definitely didn't see the most recent ones, you know, the the Musketeer or the, the Three Man. Musketeers with, uh, you know, like 2011. Yeah. I'm with you. I really like this movie. Uh, I might like this movie more than you do because I, I really like this one. I'm, I'm definitely not in the love that came. Um, but I think this is just a really fun time. And like, sure, it definitely has its issues. Um, like, There's definitely things about it that just don't quite work. Um, probably pacing is, is the most glaring. Uh, but uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, and pacing and like, I feel like Kiefer Sutherland's in a different movie. Um, but the scenes where he understands what he's doing is like really great. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. So, um, it's one that I like definitely am going to be, be checking out more. Um, you know, not like every year or whatever, but like I could see popping this on to have just a fun time and maybe a background movie or like, you know, something that I want to, um, you know, just, uh, we were talking about before this about what we're going to do for the B plot. And I thought about doing like best ever, like swords movies, you know, but like, there's like three of them, right? There ain't there ain't many, and so, uh, um, well, there's three Lord of the Rings movies, but like there's, uh, you know, um, you got those, you got Gladiator, uh, you got um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like you you. There's certainly more in there, Braveheart. Like there's certainly more in there, but like it's not a vast list. But like I would put this in there as like some of my favorite, you know, sword movies. So uh, yeah, sword fighting movies. Um, yeah, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Um, Star Wars, man, sword movies, Star Wars. Uh, yeah, All I guess. Them. I guess I was thinking more like you know. Oh, I know. I know. Um, period pieces, but Star Wars is a period piece. <laughs> it is. <coughs> um, aged this movie by like thousands of years. Yeah, man. So uh, let's see. You already you already mentioned the cast. Let's start with the cast. Uh, man, what a perfect role for 1993, Charlie Sheen. Like yeah. <laughs> he was, he was. You could just tell, like. They knew exactly who they were casting when they were writing this. Um, you know, from that first scene, like it is a little weird seeing him being the kind of pious one. You know, being the well, being that's the, the religious joke, right? one. I know, right? He's, it is. He's a French kind of priesty guy, so he's like, I'm he, totally he down this, with. He has this interesting complexion where sometimes he has really deep theological and religious like moments. But then there's other times where, like, he's like, I'm your Bible tutor, and you're trying to, you know, get with me. And I guess, sure, let's do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, and you're married. Like, well, 
whatever. I, I, you know, like let's pray, let's pray to God for forgiveness. And then the husband busts on the door and he's like, Oh, I guess God's busy. Like, you know, like well, it's, to his, it's to such his a, credit. He did react sincerely as like a, you're married. Like, yeah. Oh shoot. Well now we're obviously, you know, before it was, eh, we're not supposed to be messing around, but we totally can. Then it's like, Oh, you're married. Oh crap. Yeah. They're we're out of bounds now. Well, and like, yeah, I feel like my guess is the source material, the novel, is is a more serious version. My guess. Oh, I don't yeah, know. No, for sure. Yeah. Alexander Dumas for the, the yep. book readers out there. Well, so I feel like um, I feel like he it was probably a more serious book. But I know they also like there was a movie in the 1930s. But as many movies in the 1930s, it was more like a slapstick comedy. Um, so but so like I feel like the, the source material probably had him as this pious religious guy but because the tone they decided to go for for this movie they're like yeah well let's also make him you know charlie sheen um and and it's just like everything about it just works like this is charlie sheen at his best uh i mean like sure like platoon is there but like you know and he's excellent in platoon but like he's not funny or fun in platoon because that's not a funny or fun movie um and like this this feels like on brand like this feels like oh yeah right charlie sheen so um, but also you can, can tell like this guy's got to make some mistakes later in life. Yeah. I, I think that this movie as a whole was pretty much when they were casting, like who can we get that is just charming, like mid nineties mm. charm. And that's pretty much who they got for everybody. Uh, it feels like they were like, all right, who can we go for? Who's like some young hot stud Tom Cruise. Oh, he said no. All right. Well, what about like discount Tom Cruise, Charlie Sheen, like <laughs> <laughs> discount coked up Tom Cruise, uh, <laughs> uh, Charlie Sheen. And like, all right. So, so let's, so starting with him, I think he's great in this role. Um, so I mentioned Kiefer. I feel like he's in a different movie. Like I feel like he signed on for a serious adaptation and then they decided to change it. Or he just didn't read the script until before. They're like, oh, I get the lead, one of the leads in a Three Musketeers movie. Sure. And then they're like, oh, by the way, it's a comedy. And then like, because he has these moments like, well, can you at least give me some dramatic stuff? Like, so I feel like he kind of doesn't fit in half of these scenes. Like, especially the scene where he tries to sacrifice himself. See, I like him because he's so grounded. I like him because he, I mean, he still has like, he has the dry humor. He Mm -hmm. has the dry wit. Uh, you know, when they're on the chariot, uh, you know, taken off and stuff like that. And Oliver Platt's like, Hey, I found wine. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, uh, we recommend this. And he's like, dude, we're in a chase. And he's like, Oh, correct. And goes back and comes back with another wine. He's like, that's better. Like those are funny (laughs) moments, but he's so it's, he's the more, as far as I take it, he is the most seasoned and the most who has lost in his own character's life. Yes. For sure. So, but he's also still a musketeer and he's obviously surrounded himself with the two uh, wacky or, you know, he's got a good relationship with the two of them. So I think that he just kind of is the more grounded of the three, which if they were all zany, then it'd be, you know, you need someone that's kind of brings it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely grounded, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just his performance kind of led me to believe like he's doing these scenes. It's like, oh gosh, I really didn't want to sign up for this. Like, fun little not super serious movie i wanted you know i wanted the novel like it just it just almost feels like but but like he was already like well i already committed and i still want to play this character and maybe you know like it just feels like he didn't really want to be in the movie that they put out he wanted to be in a proper 
Three Musketeers movie. Yeah. And so like maybe it's more in his performance rather than his character because you're right, he definitely does have those moments that are really funny. And honestly, it looks like he has fun a lot of the times. But like, I mean, Kiefer Sutherland's not necessarily been in fun roles. I mean, his most notable roles have to be um, Stand by Me and Twenty Four, right? Uh, yeah, he's also in A Time to Kill, where yep. he's basically a white supremacist guy. Yep. Uh, but yeah, 24 is probably his his absolute name role as yeah. Jack Bauer, which I have actually been watching recently. I'm, I'm ha- almost through season five now. Man, season five is, is the stuff that TV is made of. <laughs> so um. I like Kiefer Sutherland a lot. I, uh, I think that he's good in the things he's in. And I, and I liked his performance in this, uh, for being that more stoic kind of like, but also, yeah, what we're doing is kind of insane right now. Yeah. We can't, we can't forget young guns. We can't forget a few good men. He's got a pretty minor role in that. Yep. Uh, he's, he is excellent in phone booth. Um, that's a really overlooked movie. Uh, uh, I haven't seen it, so I'm going to add that to my list of never-ending movies. It's awesome. Watch. It's it's kind of like one of those bottle, bottle oh, Lost episodes. Boys. Lost yeah. Boys. Lost Vampires. Boys. Yeah. He's a voice in uh, Call of Duty World at War. <laughs> uh, but he's, like, really great in it. But it also, like, the whole time you're watching, you're like, yeah, this is... This is yeah. Anyway, like, I, I, he doesn't really have many, like, fun roles like this. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's these stoic people. Um, he's this Jack Bauer... Lost Boy. I mean, Lost Boys. He's a little bit more like loose, but like you know, Stand by Me. Like he's intimidating bully that might pull out a switchblade at any moment. You know, um, Young Guns. He's he's kind of the straight man. You know, Few Good Men. He's a straight. Like it just feels like he he didn't know what he was signing up for. He was just like, oh, they're offering me the lead in three tiers. Let's do See, it. See, I think that's why they chose him. I think they chose him because they wanted that. I, th- uh... I think if he would have bought into it a little bit more, I'd have liked it. I just I just yeah. didn't think he bought into it. If that makes sense. That's fair. Uh, and then the other of the main three musketeers, um, Oliver Platt's character, uh, he's my favorite of these three. He is awesome. Uh, I love Oliver Platt, uh, especially nineties Oliver Platt. He was in, uh, son of a gun, the West wing. Uh, and he, you know, he's a really charming dude again as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quick wit, very funny to watch. Um, I love how often he's like, this was a gift from, uh, the queen of, in- uh, of America. It's like, there is no Queen of America. It's like, I beg to differ. I have a very intimate relationship with her, unless you can prove otherwise. It's like, yeah, and uh, yeah. I, so I wrote in my notes, and it said, surprisingly, Oliver Platt is the best part of this movie. Um, that that Queen of America speech was definitely part of it, but I said evidence: the wine during the cart chase. Yes, <laughs> which we already talked about. Which is, and then I said also evidence um, when they're when they're fighting on the ship. And then there's that guy that they definitely pull in the pull a raid of the lost ark. Oh no, for sure. And then, but like it works and it definitely didn't feel like they were ripping off Raiders of the lost ark. It felt like they were homaging it and, and they did enough different to it. You know, he didn't pull out his gun and shoot him. He, you know, he was standing on a trap door and he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to open the and door. It's, it's the fact that it's the fact that like, whereas in Indiana Jones, uh, he, you know, he does it so nonchalantly is like a, okay, guy with a sword. I got to deal with this. And instead, just shoots him. Uh, Oliver Platt sees the guy do like this display of swordsmanship, and then like proceeds to go, uh, and then just slice a, a rope to take out the guy that way. So you know, yeah. seeing him mock him first makes that moment so funny, right? Uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun in that, and he, you know, you could tell he's kind of witty and zany in his like movements too. He's a very physical actor in this very role, very animated. 
Um, I love him. I think he's terrific in this. Uh, and, and I'm just like upset that he's not in more. Like, and he's got like the specialties. He's like, whereas you got like Charlie Sheen and, uh, you know, Kiefer. Kiefer's kind of like just the, the strong swordsman kind of guy. Then you get, yep. uh, then you get uh, Charlie Sheen's character, uh, who's like more like maybe finessey. Because yeah. you see him kind of like get two guys to stab each other rather than himself in the doorway. Yeah. Uh, and then you get, then you get uh, Porthos plot that is uh, like pulling out these like Bowie cable, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. choking the one guy with that, uh, pulling out the like triple dagger. Yeah. Uh, and, just, and the crossbow he, where he shoots the guy on the roof yeah, at the he, end. Yeah, he's the utility dude. He just shows up and he's like, hey, I got stuff in all of my clothes. I, I'm going to have a weird weapon ready for you. Yeah. Uh, and then the other main character we got to talk about is Chris O'Donnell, um, who I was dreading the moment I saw his name on the cast <sighs> list because all I could think of is, oh gosh, this is mid-90s Chris O'Donnell. And he's not bad, but he probably wasn't the best choice. No, he's he's completely serviceable as the charming I got a smile and you know he has some physicality to him but he's not the best actor and no. so he's kind of yeah he's he's enough of an analog to kind of play the person that wants to be you can kind of put yourself into it a little bit because he is a little bit more on that like flatness yeah with just enough charm for people to go oh hey you're not bad looking exactly uh and one other casting that we really need to talk about is tim curry as cardinal richelieu uh yes this look how does tim curry have some of the most iconic performances of all time and like it's it's such a it's such a treat now to see tim curry in these roles i mean because like he was perfect for pennywise in the it miniseries and rocky horror picture show and you know long john silver in muppet treasure island yeah like he's he's Excellent. He's so good uh, in most everything he's ever done. Uh, most everything. Clue. Yeah. Like, and look, and I think he's even like incredible, like for what he's doing in scary movie too, you know? Um, he's Cause he's playing Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just incredible to see him. Like it's such, it's such a treat to see him. He shows up. Yeah. He, Tim, he put, yeah. They cast Tim Curry and they got Tim Curry. Yeah. Um, and also like surprise out of nowhere, the guy that plays, um, the, the, the eye patch guy, um, Rock, Rockford, Rochefort, whatever. Um, he shows up Rochefort. in a Rochefort. Okay. He shows up in a movie the following year that we talked about on this podcast. Uh, he shows up in the crow as the main villain. Cause he shows up immediately. I'm like, Oh, that's the guy from the crow. <laughs> so, um, anyway. That, that was just it. Uh, he's, you know, he's not necessarily anything. Um, he is intimidating presence. And yes. He's yeah, he's, he's the guy that wears all black and is just kind of like, I am going to be the bad guy. He's the physical intimidation because Curry yeah. is the intellectual power over everybody. Um, so he's, you know, he's the, he brings the physicality. Yeah. Um, yeah and he's like, the Vader like, to, the, uh, to the Cardinals Tarkin. Yes. <laughs> so he... All right, so this movie... Like, I, I don't remember it being as silly. I, I remember it being kind of straightforward because, like, I haven't seen it in 18 years, whatever, you know. So I just remember the all for one, one for all, pretty much. Yep. Um, you know, and the costumes being what they are. Um, so, so like, it kind of took me off guard. But then I was like, all right, no, I'm really into this. And then, like, it's such a perfect comedy for this movie. I only wrote down one example. But, of course, we've talked about several examples so far. But the at the very beginning, when they're about to duel, and then they're like, only a fool would be here to arrest us twice. 
And then yeah. he's like, we're here to arrest you. He's like, fool. And then uh, and then they're like, well, do you intend to let us arrest you? Do you intend to resist? They're like, of course we're going to resist, but give us a yeah. minute to figure out a plan. And they like huddle up for a minute. And then they draw their swords like, all right, we're ready to resist you. It's like, this is this is like a perfect like slapsticky. It almost feels Mel Brooksy in a way. Um, but like the action is definitely there too. It's surprisingly really good action for a early 90s Disney live action movie. Especially yeah, one that's PG. Like, the comedy the way, and the action both PG. really work. Yeah, we'll get to there in a minute. <laughs> we can certainly <laughs> get to there. Um, but, like, it's, I found it surprisingly good. You know, like, I, I thought the action and the comedy were individually perfect for what this movie wanted. Uh, maybe the balance wasn't quite as well as they thought it was. But, like, I, I'm convinced now that Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, main source material was, what if we made the Three Musketeers but better? Like yeah. more balance, and like that's what this feels like. I mean, there's there's set pieces that look exactly like from Pirates, you know. So yeah, like I said, I love this period piece stuff. I like I like the swords. I like the like yeah, there are guns, but the guns aren't like hey, I'm gonna fire off 15 shots in one go. You know when uh, when Athos Kiefer is uh, in the in the woods trying to give D'Artagnan some time. You know he's sitting there with some guns, but he's like, I got a I got a shot, and then I got to reload. Like so, I have like four guns, so I can. You know, yep. at least get four shots off before I have to start loading more bullets in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anyway, I, so I, I really like the tone this took. I just think it needs to be balanced out a little bit more. All right, let's mm-hmm. get to that PG part, right? Because, like, sure, there's no blood in here. This feels like if this were released today, it'd get a PG-13. Uh, oh, because Because sure. it still is, like, there's a lot of, like, it's cartoony violence, but there is still a lot of violence. Um, there's just no blood. Uh, and the main thing is, there's, like, eight too many boob shots in this movie <laughs> it's like yeah. literally in your face most of the time the the time that it's yeah the time that it really just really bugged me like eventually i was like okay this is definitely like unnecessary because like you know you were dealing with women at the time that wore corsets and so like it bolstered them you know so um like sure you know breasts are going to be a little bit more prominently displayed but like there is straight up when when they capture chris o'donnell's character and like he's waking up there is a shot like straight down um oh yeah. what's the kid Milady's um, Milady's shirt and it's just like how is this pg i literally checked to make sure well um, see there's there's that and then there's some of the violence is uh a little more than i expected for like oh yeah it's pg um, yeah i mean like because they'll show swords penetrating people they just won't show blood right yeah you just see Kiefer's arm bleeding because he gets stabbed in the arm that one time yeah I'm thinking of the the one guy that does the uh the torturing in the Cardinals like yeah asshole. it's like he full tilt gets like impaled both ways and uh you know you get a little bit of blood from the mouth I'm like and uh I jokingly went like PG PG <laughs> well and this is like PG-13 was a thing at this time this wasn't like Temple of Doom where they're like all right we really got to do something middle ground here yeah you know, like PG existed, so they probably towed the line because they didn't really have PG movies or PG thirteen movies until like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? So they probably just towed that line of like, what can we get away with and keep that PG so that we can get the full Disney family, you know, no questions asked sort of thing. Well, and it's also like this wasn't one of those things that was like PG thirteen existed, but they haven't quite fig- quite figure out what it was. PG thirteen had been around for ten years, right? Uh, so yeah, this feels, uh, yeah, a little much for a PG movie, but it's probably just by today's standards. Yeah. Um, and then some of just, uh, Tim Curry's innuendo and 
yeah or lack uh, or lack of subtlety yeah yeah there's but there's yeah there's lots of there was a there was a lot like i guess when i went into it i was like all right there's probably gonna be some sex in this i was like oh wait no this is a 90s disney movie it's probably gonna be a lot of like innuendos ever but like there's like the scene where uh milady is talking to him like for the first time and she mentions something about like i bet you you don't take to the rules of chastity or whatever and then he's like slowly reaching for her breasts and she's like it's not an invitation it's like yeah she she in turn holds a dagger at a very particular area yeah this is this is like a change your religion it's like a bit much but like whatever it was the early 90s everything was a bit much um and like you know like not not anything against you know sex or sexuality or anything like that but it's just like well then like i don't know like, this is a weird thing, because, like, I think this could be a great movie for kids, because it's lots of fun, but, like, it's maybe just a little bit too far. Like, if you have kids, um, I don't know that I'd say, I don't know that I'd say, like, you know, I'm necessarily recommending you watch this, or watch this with your kid, or whatever, you know. I'm definitely recommending you watch it. I can think it's a lot of fun, especially if you have nostalgia for it. But, like, if you have kids, like, probably watch it by yourself before, you know, and judge for yourself, but... uh I, th- um, I think the one saving, as far as, you know, my opinions on parental censorship, obviously, you know, make your choices. Uh, yeah. Those moments are more often than not like, hey, this guy's clearly like the worst human being. Yeah. So, you know, it, what he's doing is an example of what not to do. Uh, you know, so it, at least it's not portrayed as like, a, hey, let's let's say that uh, victimizing or objectifying is like the right thing to do. Sure. Uh, sure. Sure. You do get the, you also get that bar scene with the, the wenching and like teaching D'Artagnan how to, how to get a girl. Right. For sure. Yeah. So I just, I just think like, don't, if you're looking at this and being like, Oh, it's PG. Like, don't, don't let that fool you. Like, you know, control couldn't you you know you have the right to control whatever your right. kid watches and it's going to be different for every family and people respond to different things different ways but like yeah this this probably should have been a pg-13 rating um yeah like it but it doesn't feel like overtly anything you know oh yeah yeah um, except for that down blouse shot that was definitely um speaking of female characters in this movie queen anne and constance have literally nothing to do in this movie there's no reason for them to be in this movie and it's kind of a shame um Hey, but, Constance is the reason why D'Artagnan wins. Right. And Queen Anne is literally in one scene, and it's she's naked in a bathtub, and it's just so Tim Curry can be creepy to her later. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, her moments are pretty much there to make the guy in the room either look good or look bad. Because right. uh, Queen Anne's other moments are basically her, like, smiling when she sees Louis showing a little bit of backbone. Right. Yeah. She, uh, there's no reason for either of them to be in this. Um, and like, I look, we're also dealing with what is probably a pretty extensive novel, cutting that down to an hour and 45 minute movie. But with like, credits. Right. With credits. So like, but like, but like, this is the other thing. Like you don't need to adapt every page. Like you don't need to adapt every character. These, I don't think either of these characters were necessary for this movie. I feel like you could have just completely wiped them out and it would have been the exact same. Um, and that's where there's a problem, right? Uh, especially when you already have we're we're fantasy casting this for uh, um, yeah for the B plot, and there's already like a bunch of characters who are important, and like they all have weird names, and you're trying to figure out all their relationships. So like you, know, it's it's just extra and unnecessary um, with the way that the movie does it. I'm not saying they should be in them. Um, I think they have the power to do some really cool things, but um, but also like this probably. Like, 
doesn't necessarily work as a movie. I think this works better as a miniseries because I feel like there's a lot of things that are definitely just rushed. But like because the tone of the movie, it's okay that we're able to just kind of skip around and things. But like yeah. if there I mean, was ever a serious a adaptation, it needs several movies or a miniseries. Yeah. It is a 700-page book if you go for the unabridged version. So, Oof. you know, we're talking Harry Potter, you know, longer books. And they're trying to fit it in a nice, uh, tight 140. Yeah, we're talking like Les Miserables levels of yeah of books. Um, ooh, ooh, uh, I have two more notes. How many? Uh, how many more do you have? Um, let's see. I have you go do yours. I'm gonna pull it back. Okay, uh, I'll do two because uh, these are both gonna be quick. Um, they're just kind of like small little comments that I thought were fun that went through my head. The there's the moment at the end where the three musketeers are out and they're about to, you know, um, fight all the the Cardinals army people. And then all of a sudden the rest of the musketeers come out, which like they all burned their uniforms and dropped their swords. Like how do they all have their uniforms and swords again? Uh, <laughs> but they also have multiple, they have to do laundry, man. I doubt it, man. This is 1700s, you know, um, 1600s. King's Guard, they at least got a few of them. Nah, nah, they, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so the, the 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 comment that I wrote down was Disney's been doing the same small group joined by a much larger group of allies thing at the climax of the movie for a very long time because you know like Rise of Skywalker, Avengers, Avengers Assemble, Game. yeah, like it's just like but like it works, <laughs> you know. Right. This isn't anywhere near as grand as either of those two, uh, but like I literally thought internally like on your left and. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought that was a fun, like, Disney's not doing anything new there. Um, the other thing is, I guess this is like the first few Assassin's Creed games where if you touch water, you die. Because there's the ship fight where all they do is just, like, push people overboard. And then, like, they don't have to worry about them again. It's like, they could just climb back up the ship. And then, yeah. the and then of course, the Cardinal at the end when Charlie Sheen's character is, you know, about to... Um, you know, deal with him, and then the king is like, "Wait!" and then punches him in the face, and he yeah. goes overboard, and we never see him again. Like we're supposed to assume he's dead. He's like, "Can he well, not swim?" Well, they do do a pretty quick cut to uh, like, "Hey, this has been done." Uh, you know, when they punch the cardinal, but the, I mean, you look at his robes. You tell me, you could swim in that? Well, that's fair, but like, you could get out of the robes. You know, that's fair. I, I, just, I just, I just, I just thought it was funny how like anytime anybody touches water in here, it just reminded me. Yeah. Of those first couple Assassin's Creed games, like I think the first five or six, like until until the one that is on the sea. Like if it's you like just, in the video games, you just throw them off the roof and you don't have to deal with them. Right, right. So or yeah, or you throw people in water. And it's like oh, they're dead, and it's like but people can swim. It's not like we're throwing people to shark infested waters. And look, maybe that was, and maybe it got cut to keep a PG rating. You know, maybe there was a scene of Tim Curry getting mauled by an alligator. You know, yeah. So uh, and those are my those are my last two notes. Yeah, I pretty much just have a, you know, a, a quick jot of, uh, yeah, the Cardinal is a Randy boy, um, and <laughs> he is full tilt, not into the celibacy aspect of uh, his role. Yes. Um, and I'll save the other thought because uh, because we'll we'll do our, our uh, casting, which cool. was the other note, before I knew that we were doing the casting, so it, it worked out. Yeah, so... Uh... All right, so that I think we'll wrap up our conversation. So then two questions, Evan. Um, if somebody has the same experience as we did, would you recommend them checking this movie out or say it's probably just better in the past? I'd say check it out. I think it's fun. It's it's a 
it's a breezy one for uh, an hour and 40 minutes. It's not something that you're like investing your entire evening. I think it's fun. It's got plenty of charm. Uh, some decent sword fighting for the time. And uh, yeah, I dig it. Let's uh, yeah, go for it. Disney yeah, Plus. I would, I would for sure say the same thing. Uh, if you remember this movie and don't remember hating it, like, look, give it another shot uh, again. I mean, 6.4 on IMDb, that's not terrible. Um, like, not by any means. Uh, like, I think it's worth a watch. And I'm even willing to say, like, I would just recommend this to somebody, you know, even if they have no experience with it. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's a fun time. And, uh, um, yeah, I would I would say whether you've seen it or not, I'd recommend check it out. I'm going to check it out more in the future. Uh, do you see yourself watching this ever again? Uh, I mean, after having seen it, uh, probably give it a few years and I might go, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm watching 24 again. I should watch another movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't like, like I said, this isn't like an every year watch, but this is like a, I might pop this in every every now and then, you know? um for sure uh if, if i'm in this kind of mood uh yeah uh i think so i think that'll do it so uh big recommends from us um proof that uh nostalgia isn't always soul crushing so uh that'll do that now we'll move on well this is kind of an extended conversation because what we're gonna do is we're gonna fan- fantasy cast a new three musketeers movie uh now i am fantasy casting a remake of this movie i'm not going for a serious movie I'm not going for a straight comedy. I'm going for a little bit of both. Um, so that's kind of so that's 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 my perspective going into this. Uh, is I am trying to fantasy cast a remake of this particular genre, mood, all that, um, which is going to affect our fantasy castings because, like I said, I think there's been like eight movies and there's the book and all that. So, um, so Evan, kind of, what were your thoughts, kind of, going into this? What 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 did you want? Did you want to see a more serious one? Or a more lighthearted one? Or did you want to see actual French people? Or <laughs> I was kind of more basing off of this movie. And then just like, what would we do if we tried to do it now? Okay. Uh, obviously, we've had, you know, other attempts at telling Three Musketeer films that have been middling or not good. Uh, that have tried to be too serious, too stylized, too cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I say when you're doing swashbuckling, when you're doing, you know stuff like this you got to keep it light you got to keep it fun um and so i tried to think of character or actors that would fit within potentially playing those characters also trying to you know it's so hard uh with ensemble casts like this where you got like you know you got the four that have to work together they got to have good chemistry together so i don't know if i've succeeded here uh for the chemistry part but that's what i was going okay so um yeah, so it seems like we kind of went for both of the same thing. If this movie were going to be made today instead of 19, um, or if we were rem- remaking specifically this one. So we're, so we're not going for super serious. We're not going for complete Mel Brooks. You know, we're going for that kind of middle ground this is going for. So, uh, and as always, this is a fantasy cast. So budgets don't count. <laughs> um, we can put anybody in any role. Um, I do try to stay like age um, relevant unless I think there's a reason to change an age. Um, so that's where I was too. Yeah. I was trying to think of like present day, who would they be rather than trying to pull like, you know, a Tom Cruise from like, you know, risky business, Tom Cruise and yeah, you know, for sure. modern day, whoever. And one, I think we can, you can do fantasy casts sometimes that are like, I, I think if we really wanted to, we could open up the rules to fantasy casting sometimes and be like, pick anybody from any era. So you could be like, I want, if you really want, you could be like, I want 26 year old. Fresh out of the rock, Nicolas Cage playing Cardinal Richler or something like as that. Like, everyone. Yeah, as everyone. 
Like, I feel like we could do that, but I feel like for the sake, like, no, 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 we're making a film. It's going to start filming this year, next year. Like, so keep that in mind. Uh, So, yeah. Um, All right. How do you want to do this, Evan? Do you want, um, do you want each of us to go through our list and we'll kind of explain who we picked, why we picked, or do you, do we want to do like a character by character? And we'll both say who we picked for for what character. It's up to you. Uh, I'm game for either. How have you done it in the past? Have, uh... In the in the past, we've done um, one person reads their whole list and the other person reads their other whole list. But I feel like... Um... we got a lot of characters that have... Like, let's do it the opposite. Let's do a right. character so we can decide who chose the better. Or at least the audience can. Yeah, and then at the end, we'll each run through our whole cast. Um, yeah. that'll be fine, but yeah. Um, okay. So the characters that we're casting are Aramis, which is Charlie Sheen's character, Athos, which is Kiefer's character. Um, you'll have to say it again. D'Artagnan. Uh, D'Artagnan, which is a Chris O'Donnell character. Uh, Porthos, which is the P- Oliver Platt character. Cardinal Richlou, uh, Milady, um, uh, Richfort. Did I say I that right? Like Rochefort. Like Rochefort. Roche. Um, that's the character with the eye patch. I, I put I put indicators next to all these, so I was like, yeah. you know, the actors are like this guy was eye patch, uh, and King Louis, and then of course a writer and a director um, could be overlapping. Um, so that's what that's what we're going with. Um, I'll let you kick us off uh, for the Aramis character. We'll go with the with the three main musketeers, and then the O'Donnell character, and then the rest of the people. So uh, for uh, for the Aramis character, uh, who did you pick for that? I chose Dav Patel. Uh, okay. Maybe it's just because I saw the trailer to the Green Knight uh, recently, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's see him. Uh, let's see him be kind of. He he can be charming. He can be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make, give him a little bit of that like goatee thing going on. Uh, we don't necessarily have to stick with the nineteen or the sixteen twenty five. You know, French all white cast necessarily. So give uh, give Dav Patel a chance to. Kind of be that like quiet, potentially uh, you know, charming uh, student of the cardinal that uh, becomes a musketeer. Uh, so yeah, I chose Dav Patel for Aramis. Yeah, um, I think I, I, he's not in my list. I think I would have chosen him as the Athos character because because my experience is only seeing him in more serious roles. You know, like a newsroom. Um, or I haven't seen it, but like, I know Slumdog Millionaire, mm-hmm. um, it's on my list of shame, but, uh, uh, or like Lion, you know, like, I feel like it's just because I know him as, um, uh, as this serious actor. And I feel like he could be that Athos character, but like, I could also see him go in that, you know, lighthearted, quirky, uh, Aramis character. So cool. Um, every, when I was watching this movie. The only thing I can think of is how much Charlie Sheen reminds me of Ryan Gosling and the nice guys. So I'm casting Ryan Gosling nice. like specifically for that, because it's like this little quirky. He's, he's pretty physically funny, but he's also like has to be handsome uh, and um, uh, relatively young and all that. Like I'm, I'm picking Ryan Gosling um, again, specifically kind of a, a nice guys kind of role. Um, oh, he could, he could definitely get the uh, the farmer's wife's, you know. Oh yeah. No, no, no. We're reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I just I, like as soon as that opening scene came, I was like, "Gosh, this feels so reminiscent of of what he's doing in the Nice Guys." And like, you know, Ryan Gosling has such range that he could have been any one of these characters. But Nice Guys is my favorite Ryan Gosling, so um, yeah, I wanted him to play the the light and quirky, um, pious character. Nice. So. Uh, that's what I went with. Uh, now for your Athos, this is the Kiefer Sutherland character. Kiefer, uh, yeah. So I chose uh, David Harbo, or uh, is that how you pronounce? It? I can never say his name. Harbor. Harbor. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I chose, I chose him. I feel like he can both be stoic. He can also be obviously fairly goofy. So, uh, you know, let him, uh, let him grow out that hair, grow that beard, be that more seasoned kind of gruff kind of guy that can also kind of still be the mentor e guy that is, he is kind of the more mentor of the three to D'Artagnan. So mm-hmm. I figured, you know, let him be in, you know, get him in that good shape, not necessarily uh stranger things build. And uh, I think he could carry a good, a good ethos. Yeah, for sure. Um, and David Harbour's again, one of those guys that gets, uh, gets some good range. Uh, I think he could totally, totally lead this movie. Um, if I were in charge, I think I would have switched your Dev Patel and David Harbour because mm. after seeing David Harbour and Black Widow, like, you know, He's he's just such a fun character like that, uh, but that's okay. You know, like I I think I think both of them were totally great picks, and you can definitely keep them like that, um, and it would work. Um, but it just goes to show how much range both of those people have. Uh, yeah, for my ethos, I picked Henry Golding. Um, you know, I I was straight up thinking who is a young person that I could logistically see as being a leader of this group because he is that leader character. Um, and uh, and I I haven't seen much of him. I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians. Um, he's really good in a simple favor and he's really good in the gentleman and you know, he's really good in last Christmas. Uh, and I haven't seen snake eyes, but like, you know, then he's, he's so he showed he's willing to do a little bit more physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I was thinking like the gentleman type, um, you know, cause he's really good in that movie and that would be a kind of similar role, a little bit less slapsticky, but, um, enough of an intimidating presence, but also one that's more so just focused on like, yeah, I could see this. Henry Golding just looks like a natural leader. So, uh, went with him. And then we got, uh, Porthos r- rounding out the, the yes. Musketeer. uh, and I chose, uh, Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Uh, I think that he, again, can be very, a, a very funny guy. Uh, he's not like classically handsome, but I would say, uh, Oliver Platt is, you know, can be a little portly, can be a little, uh, he's not like, you know, look at me, I am the debonair dude, but he carries the charisma, he carries the confidence. Uh, and I figure that uh, we could see that out of Jesse Plemons too, because he can be charming, he can be, you know, a fun character. And, uh, you know, he he's a, a little unassuming. So putting the three together, they're all very different. Uh, yes. But I think that that would be an interesting trio to kind of deal with each other, because Though they're different very much, they do come together, you know, in the in the greater good of king and country. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I totally see that. And again, Jesse Plemons could be any one of these characters because we've seen him play really slimy and sinister like Cardinal Rich Lou. Um, but like we've seen him in Game Night and he's great in Game Night. He's and, hilarious in Game Night. Yeah. And like you could even pull that into the Platt character and like make him a little bit more, a little bit less flamboyant than than Oliver yeah. Platt is. In the movie. So like, yeah. Uh, really love that pick. Um, I initially picked Danny McBride for this, but then I realized mm-hmm. it's just because Danny McBride looks like Oliver's uh, Oliver Platt. Um, he's just he just looks like his son or you know his cousin or something. Like it, it, it's basically just they're very similar actors and have a very similar build and very similar hairstyle. At least like mm-hmm. Oliver Platt in this movie versus Danny McBride. But then I was like, nah, like I'm because I'm just picking that based off of appearance and whatnot and i sure he could probably do fine in that role but i was just like i'm going for a pretty young cast so let's just let's just keep it young uh so i picked ansel elgort who is baby and baby driver um uh because 
he has those scenes where he could be serious and we've shown he could do some of the action stuff. Um, he's a little bit cooler, at least in Baby Driver, than this oh, yeah. uh, this this Porthos character. Um, but like, I feel like we could we could unswathe him a little bit, um, make him a little bit more of like uh, you know the the lovable drunkard, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think he could play that really well. So uh, um, that's who I picked for that. So my three musketeers are Ryan Gosling, Henry Golding, and Ansel Elgort. Um, and then we have our new musketeer, D'Artagnan. Uh, D'Artagnan, yeah. Uh, so I had your D'Artagnan first, so uh, but I changed it again. <laughs> yeah, I had. Uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, if we're trying to stay young, if we're trying to stay like he is the young guy of the group, uh, I, I chose Tom Holland, uh, mm-hmm. who is probably a pretty obvious pick right now. You know, yeah. he's Spider Man. He's Nathan uh, Drake, yeah, yeah, he's just everybody right now. Um, it's an easy pick for sure. But I also think that he carries the charm. He can he can be youthful while also showing some chops. I mean, oh, what was that movie he was in with uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, where he was just hard. He was a oh, was uh, a the devil dude. all the time. Yes. Uh, so you know he can he can have that like look of being a tough guy uh but yeah i chose him because he seems like the kind of guy that's like yeah i want to be a musketeer i want to do this i want to i want to prove myself my you know my uncle once told you know that sort of (laughs) spider-man just uh like yeah he just wants to be the earnest hero and that's uh that's who d'artagnan is he just wants to be part of something that will so yeah i figured he'd be a good be a good pick right now that's for sure an excellent pick and great i just i definitely had him first like i said i just want to i i just kind of wanted to challenge myself a little bit with some of these picks because what's the fun in just picking all the shoe-ins uh you know what's the fun in casting a fantastic four movie right now with uh john krasinski and emily blunt in the leads you know yeah right um so like you know how can we have a little bit more of a challenge a little bit more of a stretch maybe get a little bit more like lesser known people and like i don't think anybody in my movie is lesser known um uh, but yeah, so, um, I definitely thought about that first and I mean, I feel like you could take even, even Andrew Garfield in this role. Um, he's maybe a little old, like, I don't know. He still looks young, but like yeah, when he would, when he was playing 18 Peter Parker. when he's 45. <laughs> yeah. But like when he was playing Peter Parker, because they, they, these characters kind of display a lot of similarities, like, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the way that they've been portrayed, like young, um, you know, d- idealistic, uh, ideal, idealistic. Heroic. Yeah. And like. They play the Tom Holland character, uh, or the Tom Holland Spider-Man, is like a little bit more clumsy, um, mm. and then the Andrew Garfield character is definitely a little bit more suave. But uh, anyway, uh, for my D'Artagnan, I picked uh, I picked Billy Lord, um, who is Carrie Fisher's granddaughter. Um, she hasn't been in a lot. Uh, it's been a lot of like minor roles. She had a small role um, as one of Holdo's assistant in the Last Jedi. Uh, but I just I just thought like, who's a, a young promising um ce- celebrity that could be going in obviously you know, tom tom holland's and they uh just crushing that conversation but uh um but i was thinking like well like i, I was wanted to gender swap it too because i feel like you could add a little bit more complexity because these musketeers were all men so like add an extra thing about you know this woman that's trying to get in kind of a little bit mulani you know yeah, mulan it up. um I think this. Uh, I think that could be a really interesting, uh, not relatively small sample size from Billy Lord. Um, so there's not necessarily um, uh, a bunch that we can go off. She's in Booksmart. Um, that's maybe like the most that she's got to do. Uh, the Last Jedi, which she was also had like 
super brief roles in Return uh the Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, but she's definitely more pronounced in Last Jedi than uh she was in a season of American Horror Story or a couple seasons. I don't know, I don't watch them. Um but yeah, like not a not a ton to work with, but like, you know, ha- ha- for your for your role like this, let's let's bring in somebody that you know, Booksmart's not an every person movie. Like I don't feel like it's a mainstream Unfortunately. movie. Yeah, and like she doesn't have a big enough role from um the Star Wars movies to like pe- for people to really recognize her. So like let's bring her into the spotlight. Um I think that'd be great. Heck yeah. Uh all right, so there's our four musketeers. Um now we get to the fun start. Let's go with our villains. Uh we'll do uh we'll do Rich Lou, Milady, and then Rochefort. So uh who is your Cardinal Rich Lou? Uh, I went probably for a little too on the nose right now. Uh, the Tom Hiddleston, uh, yeah. right off of Loki, he can be really charming. He can also be, uh, you know, a little, you know, off-putting, uh, mm-hmm. again, not traditionally like the most, I wouldn't say he's like traditionally the handsome lead guy. He definitely has a look to him. Um, he could be. He could he be. He could be. And he wasn't like the knight, uh, whatever that miniseries was with, uh, Hugh Laurie. Um, I have no idea. yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, but the, uh, obviously I can't remember the title of it though. Uh, the, but yeah, I figure, you know, he could be just that you have to have someone that has charisma. Like he's likable, but at the same time, like, you're like, ah, oh, you're so gross. And I feel like Tom Hiddleston can uh, carry that where he can be that, uh, like, maybe not quite as uh, inappropriate as Tim Curry's got away with. But yeah, but but that's a 1993 versus 2021 thing. Yeah, work with the uh, work with the innuendo. Definitely give the vibe that like, hey, I have this role. I want this power. Uh, and I'm also maybe a little bit, uh, you know, I do not fall within the cloak that I'm wrapping myself in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great pick. Um, for sure. Um, I went with, um, I I wanted to go a little bit off book. I wanted to pick who's somebody we haven't really seen do a lot of things like this. Uh, but somebody like you still need a recognizable name. I guess you don't need, but like, as if if I'm a producer, I want, all right, who's, who's this snotty punk that. Uh, well, not punk, not really punk. Um, who's this person that is going to be like big and intimidating? Like, who are we going to get for that? Like, but not, but not physically intimidating. I mean, he can be, but like, you know, this emotionally manipulative, power hungry, you know, um, type. So, uh, and like, partly I wanted to go off book too because I think when some people do off book, there is a. Uh, there is some really interesting times when that's happened. Like, look, say what you want about the Dark Tower, but I think casting McConaughey in that role was really interesting, and to me, it worked. Um, so I went with Daniel Craig for this. Um, I, I mean, I know he's mostly known for the 007 stuff and now Knives Out, uh, which are very different roles. Yeah, uh, but he's always the good guy. You know, he's in Layer Cake. He's he's great in that. I mean, I guess Road to Perdition. He's not a good guy. Um, he's great in Road Road to Perdition too. Uh, but I, I I wanted somebody who's who's just despicable but somebody that we haven't seen as despicable uh because his character in road to perdition is not likable but jude law is the despicable character in that one so right. um so who is somebody that we can really just like ruin their image you know <laughs> <laughs> but like in a good way so so it's just like look i think daniel craig uh could be great and you know he's uh certainly can be physically intimidating he is physically intimidating but um i think he could really you know Knives Out showed he can do a lot of other things. And, uh, oh, yeah. It shows he's got range. So, yeah, I'd be interested in seeing uh, a Daniel Craig Richelieu. Yeah, man. Yep. Uh, okay, so then who is our milady? 
So my milady, I was trying to think of like, okay, who could like, cause there's not a lot of screen time with each other, but uh, it is Athos's like ex-wife, right? Yes. So at least uh, ex-lover. Uh, yeah, they got married, uh, and then he was like, "Oh, dang it!" Or they were going yeah. to be married at least. I I didn't know if they were actually married. I was just like, they're at least ex-lovers. Yeah, yeah, because he was like a count, and he was like, you know, I got a wife, and then finds out that she had uh, been said to have uh, killed her previous husband and all that jazz. But yeah, the uh, yeah, I chose casual, Margot Robbie. Casual. Yeah, uh, man, I would not have picked this, but yeah, you're right. I think that Margot Robbie again is one of those like she can be. Obviously, very alluring, very physically attractive. Wait, hold on. Uh, Margot Robbie is alluring and attractive. This is, uh, <laughs> but she can also, but she can also lead it where it's not all about that. There, she can show that, like, hey, yeah, I can get your attention, and then show you there's so much more depth. Yes, and I think that that's a lot of who this character actually is supposed to kind of represent. It just doesn't get quite that that uh, level because you know her her whole thing at the end or at least for her end is uh you know she didn't do what she was uh what she was charged for but she became basically that afterwards and so i think that margot robbie could you know play that and really make you feel sympathetic for her and go like man that's you got a bad rap uh so that's why i chose her and i think that her and uh David Harbour would play off each other pretty well in the scenes that we get to see them. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of an age discrepancy there, but, you know, it's 1600s yeah. France, you know. Yeah. That was that was a norm of time. Um, yeah, uh, that's a great pick. And especially, like, as soon as I, like, saw you put that out, I, I immediately thought of, like, the scenes towards the end of The Wolf of Wall Street where she's, like, using her sex to, her, her sex appeal to get Leo to do whatever he, uh, whatever she wants. Uh, like that kind of manipulation you could tell like she's a person that you give her a role like that and she could really run with um for sure that's a great pick uh my milady look i went with who is a great imposing and um uh in, in imposing intimidating uh strong female character uh and there's definitely several to pick from uh but i went with eva green and this is also kind of a cheat because they are uh, making a French production of the Three Musketeers, which is supposed to be either two or three movies, and she is playing Milady, huh. but um, but it just seems perfect. Um, it just seems right. <laughs> uh, I, I think she's an incredible actress, and uh, yeah, would really crush this role. Um, and especially because in this movie, the Milady character, while the rest of the movie is really lighthearted and kind of slapsticky, nothing about that character is. Um, no, she's the he, most tragic. Right, she's really just kind of tragic, and you could tell she has pain, and because society has wronged her and turned her into this, and um, even even the Rich Lou character has um, has uh, like snarkiness or or lightheartedness to him, and sometimes I mean while he's being evil, but like the Milady character is just straightforward, um, manipulative. Um, I was almost expecting this movie to take a turn and say that she was controlling the Cardinal, that she was really the ultimate big bad, but. Uh, um and that could have been the case very well so um like i think they set it up to where that could be and i this movie could even do that but uh um yeah i picked evergreen that's a good take so who is our uh who is our eye patch character we got to round out our trio of villains yes so my uh so my other note that i had every time the dude was on screen uh, you know, he's up on the balcony, he's looking down and basically telling like, hey, musketeers disband, you know, gives that like all for one, one for all dig and stuff like yep. that. Uh, 
at first I was thinking this could be like a Luke uh, Luke Evans character. Uh, however, I think he probably okay. did. I think he did probably play him uh, in like one of the more recent Musketeer films. Uh, I so, think so. <laughs> but uh, so I, but who I truly kept seeing pop up was Adam Driver. Uh, Adam Adam Driver is yeah. uh, the perfect person for the modern uh, uh, Rochefort. Uh, he's just physically imposing. I mean, obviously he played Kylo Ren, Ben Ken- or not Ben Kenobi, uh, Ben Solo. Uh, he's got that physicality. Uh, he can be imposing. Uh, he can be stern. I mean, I'm already picturing him with an eye patch. Uh, so yeah, I just saw I just saw Rochefort as uh, Adam Driver immediately. And before we were even doing this uh, this fun casting thing, I was that was my my other note was like Adam Driver would be the big uh, big bad modern day. Oh yeah. Um, he plays Aramis in the 2011 Three Musketeers, the one that is uh, Logan Lerman um, led. Okay. So he doesn't play this character. Um, I don't. Uh, this uh, this character is Mads Mikkelsen in that movie. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, and yeah. I always get Luke Evans um, and uh, Orlando Bloom mixed up because they look very very similar to each other. They do. I, I call well, and Orlando uh, Orlando Bloom plays the Duke. I think yeah, the Duke of Buckingham. Okay. Who is that? I don't think I've ever seen in this movie. I think he's just mentioned yeah, in the 1993 Luke, version. I call Luke Evans ruggedized overland. Yes. And uh, Christoph Waltz playing Rich Lou in that. That's huh. sounds like this movie should be better than it's casting. I'm going to have to watch it and question nah, why. Well, you tell me how it is then. <laughs> They'll do. Um, oh, and Milo Jovovich playing Melodeta Winter because, of course, Paul W.S. Anderson directing. Yeah, for mine, um, I also had Adam Driver. Um, this this looks like, uh, I mean, it, it, a lot of it is because he just looks like Adam Driver, this actor, mm-hmm. especially with the facial hair structure. Uh, but, like, I see Ben Solo in this character. I see, um, like, playing this dark and imposing and brooding, you know, like, thinking of some of the scenes in Marriage Story. Um, I would give this character a little bit more of a backstory. He's kind of just, like, discount bad guy. Um, I'd give him some sort of, like, an actual tragic backstory. Um, but again, I'm probably casting for a mini series, not a TV show or not a movie, um, or, or a TV show, you know, or a trilogy, you know, um, sometime where we really get to flesh people out and, and mm-hmm. make people actually work. So, or a two um, hour and 20 minute movie instead of a one hour and 40, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I would want to do a little bit more with this character, give Adam driver actually something to do. Otherwise, you know, why not just cast, you know, Andy circus or any random stunt man, you know? Um, right. So, uh, yeah, Adam Driver um, would be was also my pick. So cool. Uh, and then uh, lastly, we have King Louis, or lastly for actors, King Louis. Yeah. So I chose uh, Finn Wolfhard, probably most known for his uh, roles in or his role in uh, Stranger Things. But he yeah, is yeah, and an it. Yeah, and an it, and he'll be in the upcoming Ghostbusters, and you know his mm-hmm. his career is going to go big. Uh, but the yeah. I was trying to think of like okay, because the king in this King Louis is kind of that like I don't want to say he's like weak, but he is the pampered young prince that's becoming the king. Uh, you know, he has never seen battle. He's never seen anything. Uh, so he's learning how to sword fight but let's be honest like when when you get into a sword fight you're gonna lose uh kind of thing and he also has this like i'm i'm a quiet dude but i have to be assertive and so 
I figured Finn Wolfert would would be a good role for that one. I think he has the look. Uh, he's also quite young, mm-hmm. uh, so he could be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fall into that like coming of age to be king. Because um, I always I think it's funny at the end of this of this movie when you know he get when uh, he knights or whatever gives D'Artagnan his uh, his uh, musketeer status. It's like here I hold the sword and give you the power. It's like I I could see you know the difference between here's the king who all these like guys are defending being this smaller dude and i uh, see him knighting uh my tom holland or heck uh your your billy lord um so yeah i chose him because i feel like he could also he, he can be kind of that like whiny dude he could be maybe that little bit of like the like i have power but i don't necessarily have power to back it up i have it because people yes. gave it to me and I think yes. he could carry that kind of uh, that demeanor. Yeah, um, for sure. That's a really good pick. Um, I went with, um, well, first of all, the whole time watching this movie, I, I was thinking the exact same things you were thinking. I was thinking this is Tomin Baratheon. Uh, uh, not Tomin Baratheon, uh, Lannister. The, uh, well, yeah, Baratheon. Because yeah. uh, this is the younger, Joffrey's younger, younger brother. Yeah. Like straight up. Um, you know, Jojo doesn't Ryan. really have a spine. Um put into power at a young age due to tragedy um you know come you know comes from power is surrounded by corrupt people um at least the um you know the cardinal and the milady so um yeah i i was just thinking that the whole time and i think that the way you were describing it yeah finn wolfhard could be great uh, i went also had to had to go with the young actor i went with uh, roman griffin davis this is jojo from jojo rabbit um just because those those couple beginning scenes in Jojo Rabbit where he's just kind of like he you know where he's at the you know he's at the Nazi camp and um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it and just making me laugh. Well, I'm just thinking about how he said Nazi camp and it's probably not what you think. <laughs> oh no, just I'm saying no. like that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just realized like if you if somebody hasn't seen the movie and I say Nazi camp, you know they're thinking concentrate like Nazi train, you know little Nazis camp. <laughs> yeah. They uh they have. Uh, you could see him kind of getting picked on. You can see him being influenced by by um, the people around him. Um, you can see him kind of easily being, you know, if he wasn't such a delightful, lighthearted character and you know, getting injured and getting out of that environment, you could see him getting pulled in and sucked into something bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so I just thought I just thought about him and he's great in Jojo Rabbit. Um, that's the only thing I've seen him in, uh, but he he's just great and I think he's going to be a star. And uh, yeah, he's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so, all right. So run through your cast again and then top it off with who you are having to write and direct this film. All right. So again, I have Aramis is Dave, uh, Dav Patel, Arthos or Athos is Dave Harbour. D'Artagnan is Tom Holland. Porthos is Jesse Plemons. Cardinal Richelieu is Tom Hiddleston. Milady, Margot Robbie. Rochefort is Adam Driver. King Louis is Finn uh, Wolfhard. And then I figured I'd go with writer-director, you know, keep keep it simple. Because uh, it really is more of like a tone and general vision kind of thing. Uh, and I went with the Russo brothers. Uh, obviously, they can do action. They can be very uh, clever with how they show uh, fighting and stuff like that. But they can also be very funny. Uh, and I think that this movie has to stay light. I think they are very good at keeping tone uh, and letting moments be like, here's the moment that the character just gets to be 
the hero. You get that hero shot. You get that, like, this person has uh, gravity. Well, at the same time, being able to direct very funny, quick, quippy moments that the Musketeers all have. So uh, I think that the uh, Russo brothers uh, can, can do that. They can also do, they don't have to go big blockbuster. Uh, they can keep things more grounded like you need with uh, Musketeer the 1600s movie. Uh, I'd like to see them not go full tilt CGI explosions and stuff like that and kind of keep it more grounded uh, with their effects and explosions. That's kind of what I liked about the, the 93 version is that. Uh, so keep it keep it within those limits of we can get some explosions, but let's keep it practical. Let it be driven. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, I've completely lost faith in them after Cherry. Um, so, um, yeah, especially like if they, if they're just the directors, I'm maybe a little bit more excited, but you know, cause like, you know, with the Marvel stuff, um, but for sure, I mean, they're, they're competent. Um, yeah. they know how to handle high caliber actors and a lot of them. So like, you know, definitely a pro. Uh, yeah. yeah. And because it's an adaptation, I think that they already have like a good thing to base off of. Uh, if it was like purely original, maybe not them, but uh, because they have a lot of source material to kind of work from, I think that that would be uh, kind of where they're, they're, that's their sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So my cast is um, for Aramis, I have Ryan Gosling. For Athos, I have Henry Golding. For D'Artagnan, I have Billy Lord. For Porthos, I have Ansel Elgort. Cardinal Richelieu is Daniel Craig. Milady uh, is Eva Green. Uh, Rochefort is Adam Driver. King Louis is Roman Griffin Davis. And of course, because we're going for uh, both silly and uh, are both quirky and uh, legit, uh, we're going with Taika Waititi to write and direct this. Um, it's just a match made in heaven. I don't, I don't make the rules. Um, so um, he's really good at balancing. Um, well, he's really good at comedy. I really love his comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he, I think Jojo Rabbit. And Thor Ragnarok specifically have proved that he can balance both really well, yes. uh, both action and comedy. Um, and, you know, definitely like with comedy and drama, like with Hunt for the Wilder People and with Boy. Um, and then you throw in uh, what we do in the shadows is just kind of a straight up comedy with world building. I think any all of these are great examples for like why why I think he's a great choice. to pick. That's my that is my 2021 Three Musketeers movie, or miniseries. <laughs> Yeah. coming to hbo or fx or somewhere that's going to actually allow you to to be brutal quibby yep uh not quibby not quibby <laughs> um yes um okay that'll wrap that up uh which means we just have one more thing to do and that is uh we have to uh do the spinoff so evan what is that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody uh, hey, this is great. Go check it out. Or, hey, this isn't so great. Maybe don't check it out. Yeah. So um, most recently, I've been uh, I've been rewatching Twenty Four for the fat uh, for like since the last time I watched it was in uh, like was eighteen or so or you know basically when it finished its final run mm-hmm. and then I haven't watched it since. So I figured uh, you know I don't know what got me into like oh man Kiefer Sutherland hell yeah let's watch uh, let's watch Twenty Four but I've been really enjoying revisiting that it does re- weirdly well at aging because uh, they kind of intentionally kept things kind of like not year specific they don't say what year it is ever uh they don't i mean obviously they're using cell phones that are you know older but you could make the argument that like they 
are using just a cell phone, there's going to be a burner. They're going to break these things left and right. So if they're, run, they're running around with like iPhone 12, uh, 12 pros and they like got to discard it all the time, that'd be a, that'd be a hell of a budget to be burning through. So, you know, so you really don't think about the fact that like he's using a flip phone or he's using, you know, some PDA because he's an agent on the, you know, in the field, he's just using what's quickly accessible. And it's more about his, uh, it's more about his using what's around him and dealing with the people around him rather than using the tech that's allowed to him. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Kiefer Sutherland is perfect as Jack Bauer. Uh, I can't imagine anyone else trying to be him because he can be uh, the most badass guy. Uh, and at the same time, if he looks at you and says, you have my word, you're like, oh, I have like the word of, <laughs> I, I have... it doesn't always work out for them, but at least you can believe like the moment he says it, you're like, you will do everything in your power to protect me. Um, it's really good. Uh, and it's also one of those, like, it's, it's good at creating cliffhangers. Uh, his surrounding cast is either people that you also love, or you're like, I hate you. Why are you doing this? You're doing everything wrong. This is like the last thing you should be doing right now, but you can also kind of buy that. Like, even though the world's coming to an end, someone's like, Oh, but I have to figure out how I'm going to position myself in this team of whatever. It's like, no, shut up. Stop it. Yep. Yep. Uh, so you can, so you get that frustration, which is exactly what it's going for. So yeah, uh, twenty four is a fun revisit that I, knowing where it's going, I just keep getting more excited to see like just how much more they put Jack Bauer through and just his like steadfast, I will do what I need to do, uh, yes. regardless of what is in my way. And uh, yeah, so I've been really having fun with it again. Kiefer uh in this movie so it kind of ties pretty well together unintentionally but uh yeah 24 <laughs> heck yeah nice um uh, okay uh I love 24 um I think I think there's seasons that are not good uh but seasons one three four and five are excellent um and like seven and the like the reboot that actually had yeah or not eight's reboot. the last normal season right like seven and nine are both fine um I bought them on Voodoo. I only bought the first five, though, because I feel like you could stop at five, and that's like an okay point to just end. You don't really need to continue afterwards. But That's fair. Yeah, it, unless you just like Jack Bauer and you just want to keep watching him be Jack Bauer, because yeah. that's, that's kind of what you're tuning in for. It's like, let's see Jack. Well, yeah. but like the way it ends, I feel, is really satisfying. There's there's really no loose threads for mm -hmm. at the end of season five. So like, yeah, I feel like that if I ever rewatch it again, I'll probably just stop at five. Or maybe I'll just like jump ahead to the ninth season because I know where where things ended off. I know right. what happened in six, seven, and eight, and don't really feel like I want to watch them. Again. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, um, great stuff there. Uh, Twenty four is awesome. Uh, I went and saw Old last week. Uh, no spoilers, but I'm kind of recommending it. But like, it, movie's got its problems. Um, I think the movie would have been better off if it doesn't explain what's going on, like or at least how it's going on, and just says here's the situation deal with it i think it's a better movie if it does that um it has it, a reason for why things are happening would you say it's pretty much like you know run of the mill for uh m night Shyamalan? because 
Yeah, I mean, this is not anywhere near the levels of, like, Unbreakable, but this is far from Last Airbender, which I haven't seen, but only know by its it's reputation. It's bad. Um, It's bad. I saw opening night. Yeah, I'm sure. I took the hit. Exactly. Everybody else saw it, so I didn't have to. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I like it probably about as much as I like Split, which is, like, pretty middling, but I think that... You know, McAvoy's performance makes Split really worth watching. And, uh, um, you know, the the concept here and some of the themes that happen um, are definitely definitely make old worth watching. Uh, you don't you maybe don't need to run out to see it. I would avoid as many spoilers as you can. And um, look, it, it just understand it's got its faults. But like, I think there's something really here. I think you put this in the hands of a different filmmaker and it's an incredible movie. Um, but Shyamalan did what he really wanted to do with it. And yeah. Um, uh, some of it really works and some of it really doesn't. And um, I think that's all I'm going to say. But I am saying, check it out. Uh, you don't need to rush to see it. But if you have AMC A-list or, you know, if you're one of those people that, like, is fine waiting and will pay. I'm sure most movies now are doing the $20 rental after a couple weeks in theaters. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily recommending that. But, like, you certainly, like, could 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 have a better use and a worse use of your not quite two hours. So, um, yeah, I was yeah. planning on maybe seeing that this evening or uh, sometime this week. So. Yeah, like I'm for sure saying, like, yeah, I, it's worth checking out. Um, yeah, but I don't want to say anything because spoilers for a new movie, you know. So, so you're um, confirming right now it's a prequel to Benjamin. <laughs> not a, not am doing that, but also not not doing. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a lot about it that works and a lot that doesn't. And um, uh, yeah, if if you're completionist or if you like Shyamalan stuff uh, there's plenty to like here I'd recommend checking that out yeah if you're if you're planning on going to see it tonight yeah go for it um so that's it but that's a wrap uh quick reminder this is Pop Riders Room is part of the Studio DNA Network you can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed if you want to write for tiffpop.com you want to get in contact with us maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot we'd be happy to do that you can email us at writersroomatsiffpop.com that uh, is in your episode description and you can also get in contact with me on Twitter uh, at Schweit Castle or search Letterboxd at Schweit Castle um, to check out all my movie uh, opinion things. Uh, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Really appreciate all that. Uh, but that's the ways to connect with me and the show. Evan, uh, where do you want to send people? What do you want to uh, send people to connect with you and uh, talk about 24? Yeah, uh, I am on Twitter. That's my main. Uh, so hit me up at Luck Buckets. That's L-U-C-K-B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And the same for Letterboxd. I am on there. So you can see all of the movies that I watch and then judge me for them. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, uh, you can see my most recent review that I wrote for myself was just uh, for Space Jam, A New Legacy. Just no, don't, no. Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) that's that's what you can find on Letterboxd. But, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me tell me all the movies that I should watch. Try to. Sweet. Well, hey, Evan, as always, man, it's such a great time talking movies with you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. See you again. Yeah. Uh, we'll have you on again, you know, at the, sometime, uh, maybe for a mini review or maybe, uh, you know, at least at the start of next year. Um, and uh, man, that's, that feels weird, you know, now that we're in the second half schedule. See you in 2022. No. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about doing something. But uh, uh, oh, at the end of the year, you know, the... Um, send me your top fives, you know, like you'll be on for that. At least. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, read all the Evans writing at Sip Um, lots of great stuff there. Uh, go follow him on Twitter, all that. Um, next week, talking about uh, comic book movies with Joe. We'll finally get around to Road to Perdition, History of Violence. Next month, uh, talking with TV, 
uh, or not TV, uh, Nostalgia, is uh, Chris, a new writer, Chris, and a new writer, Ian Whittington. Uh, we'll be we'll be talking nostalgia pick. We're trying to figure out what we're doing. Lots of good options being thrown around. Um, but uh, until then, uh, you know that'll do it for this episode. And thanks for checking us out.